How do you use the power of love to dissolve conflicts with your partner? And not only that, but to truly learn the lessons that you need to learn so that you don't keep repeating the same old patterns over and over again. That's what we're going to cover in this week's episode. First, I want to take a moment to thank the lovely listeners who have contributed to the podcast this past week. Angie, Anita, Drew, Misty, Jolene, Anne, and Stephen. Thank you all so much for your generous contributions to ensure that we can continue to make the Relationship Alive podcast. And if you are finding the podcast to be helpful and would like to donate, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to choose something that feels right for you. Also, if you haven't downloaded it yet, be sure to pick up my free guide to my top three relationship communication secrets. Whether you're talking about your needs and desires in your relationship or trying to understand where your partner is coming from, these three tips will help you stay connected no matter how challenging the topic. And as I mentioned, the guide is free. So just visit neilsatin.com slash relate or text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to download the guide. And finally, before we dive into today's episode, if you're looking for support in your relationship and you happen to be on Facebook, come join the Relationship Alive community, where there are more than 2,000 listeners gathered there to create a safe space for conversations. And you can also follow the Relationship Alive official account on Instagram, where we're just getting started, but it would be great to see you there as well. Just make sure you follow the official account, not the joker who's impersonating me. Okay, I think that's it for now, so let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. On this show, we've talked a lot about what happens when you get triggered and what to do, what to do and what not to do. And we've talked about it from this perspective of like a neurobiological perspective. And we've touched a little bit on the perspective of trying to find love in those moments. Like what, what would love do when you're in the middle of, let's say, conflict with your partner? But what if the power of love allowed you to dissolve conflict with your partner? And what if it not only allowed you to dissolve conflict, but it allowed you to truly learn the lessons that are there for you to learn so that you can get past the kind of pattern of arguing and tension and resentment that's so easy to foster in a relationship. And that's the strangest thing, right? Because it's, it's love that brings us together and yet somehow we find ourselves there with this person who's, 
you know, the apple of our eye where they are just annoying us to no end. Sometimes it's the very things that drew us to that person that then drive us crazy. So there's some purpose behind all of that. And today's guest is going to help not only reveal the purpose behind all of that, but help us work a little magic in order to transform it. His name is Guy Finley, and you may be familiar with him. He's the author of The Secret of Letting Go, and his new book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together, is all about what I've just been talking about, how to wake up and dissolve the conflict, the resentments, the things that seem to keep you connected and yet painfully separate from your partner. Uh, the book is new, and if you want to find out about Relationship Magic, the book itself, you should visit relationshipmagicbook.com. We're going to dive in and we're going to talk about all of that. Um, and of course, there will always be links available to you in the detailed transcript of today's episode, which you can download if you visit neilsatin.com slash magic, as in relationship magic, or you can always text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. I think that's enough from me right now. So Guy Finley, thank you so much for joining us today on Relationship Alive. Thanks, Neil. I'm glad to be with you. Well, it's such a treat. And one of the funny things that I was thinking as I was reading Relationship Magic was how much I wished that I had had like, say, two more weeks to just kind of sit there after reading the book and really let it all digest and percolate. And so a lot of the questions that you're probably going to get from me are, are really raw from my experience of having been in the book and and I'm still waiting for some of that magic to occur but yeah. but I feel like I'm on the cusp of its potential and so I'm really excited to have you here to chat about what about your book and this idea that love and pain are these forces that um that can't coexist really um, and yet so often we find ourselves stuck in pain with our partner. Why do you think that's so? First, uh, your reaction to the book is perfect in a way in that, you know, if you ever go to a concert or if you are a seeker of some kind and read something about love or principles and and the moment you hear that, music or feel that idea you're like my favorite image we had a rottweiler and every once in a while i would say something to her to try to communicate something and she would start tilting her head left and right knowing that she was hearing something that she didn't understand but that she wanted to which indicates that there's a corresponding part in this instance in all of us when we read or hear something that resonates in such a way that indicates, boy, there's something much deeper here that I'm getting immediately and I want to know what it is. And then that waiting period or the rereading period, the, the time of contemplation is the way in which we communicate, actually commune with that higher part of us that 
already understands what we are now wanting to know. And so I just wanted to corroborate that, uh, Neil, so, so that everyone can understand those moments, not just in hopefully reading this book with the principles that it presents, but uh, so that we have a, a little way to realize something in us is listening. And if we learn to listen even a little more carefully, we can start to understand what that part of us that's pulled to that uh, moment wants to understand. Now, to tie that in with the last part of the question, it isn't that pain and love can't coexist. It's that they have a relationship that we don't understand. And until we can begin to realize within ourselves why it is that someone we love can be so incredibly exasperating, we'll blame them for the pain instead of understanding why that moment has appeared the way it has in our relationship. And that's principally what my book is about. Yeah, I'm, I'm struck by your, I mean, you're speaking right to me and this, I'm remembering the part in the book where you talk about how the principle is there, the, let's call it the love principle. It's there in order to, like it's already there illuminating your experience and yes. and that that points to its existence even as if you were you know you need the sun in order to see your shadow and it's like well the sun is shining right there behind you so you know it's there i love that you have pulled out of the at least in part out of the book <clears throat> one of my favorite sections that i thought might be difficult to grasp, but I had to put it in there. Listen, yes, as hard as it is to understand, and we can continue with the metaphor. You know, we sit here, I'm sitting here in Southern Oregon, you're in Portland, and it's a beautiful sunny day. It's about 70 degrees outside. And uh, we look out and see the trees or the wildlife that I'm looking at. And we see the objects but we don't see the light that actually reveals them. We don't see the light that actually reveals them. We don't actually see light, other than those moments where we might look at a sunset, but even then we don't see light. And we don't see the fact that light isn't this static affair, that light is a, a steady stream of waves and particles from that, that glorious orb that we are sustained by and it never stops raining down on us in one sense making everything that's visible visible and at the same time giving life to everything that's revealed by it, mm -hmm. it, it see I, I think love is like that i think we stand in it we're related to everything through it we're connected because of it and yet we don't know anything about it other than to say, I love you, when somebody does what we like or pleases us, or we have that moment of sentimentality, which isn't too different from sometimes saying, I love milkshakes, or I love pizza. <laughs> I, I know, it, it, and it is, it's, it's, it's humorous in a way, actually, if one can, has, has a proper detachment to our present level of consciousness, <laughs> it's all pretty funny, but it's, but it's sad in a way, because with the same ease that we can say, God, I love you, 
my love, you, you, you are my heart. Thank you for being you. And then two minutes later, because he or she looks at us askew, there's no remembrance at all that the moment before we were joined by something that now seems to have disappeared, obliterated by a flash of a negative reaction. And we don't understand the negative reaction. And because we don't, and take the feeling of it as being viable and real, meaning that it confirms that something's wrong with our partner, we lose touch with the fact that love never separates. Love never alienates. And certainly love never has an enemy. So these are the things that we want to examine, but not just intellectually. Moment to moment, heartbeat by heartbeat, in the throes of those moments, as you said at the start, where the reaction is ruling us and ruining everything, and all we can do later is say, I'm sorry. This book is for people who want to get past saying, I'm sorry. Right, right. And I'm thinking of this this thing that happened the other night that was such a, a clear example of the difference between how love acts, let's say, through me and and when I'm in a negative place and when that negative energy comes through me. And uh, so my wife, Chloe, and I, we had had a great day, a fantastic day. <laughs> and... Um, and we were, we were kind of wrapping up and in fact, we had put a little bit of energy into resetting our kitchen, which is something we've wanted to do nightly for years now. And finally we're, we're on it. Like, so every night, even if we're exhausted, we're in there just making sure the dishes are clean, the counters clean, like it's all good. Right. So we went through that whole, that whole thing, um, this one night a few nights ago and then maybe i took the dog out I'm, I'm not sure i'm remembering the exact sequence of events but it's not important what is important is that i came in and there and chloe picked up this um this little corner of a wrapper that had been left on the table and she asked me where does this go and I, and I looked at her and what I could have done is just said, you know, oops, like, I guess I missed something, you know, like we're, cause we're on the same team and trying to, and trying to reset the kitchen. And honestly, just those little corners of wrappers, you know, if they're not thrown in the trash, they do add up. You start finding them all over the place. Um, especially when you add a couple kids to the mix, they seem to have a knack for leaving corners of wrappers everywhere. Um, so anyway, I, I took it from her and I, I had to laugh at myself after, you know, reading your book because the very next thing I did wasn't just throw that away and give her a big hug and laugh about it. What I did was, I saw that there was a stick of butter, a, a wrapper from a stick of butter that had been left on the counter. Oh God. And that wasn't my doing, of course, that was Chloe's doing. And oh, so yes. what did I do? But I grabbed the wrapper on my way to the trash and I said, I guess I'll throw this in the trash too. Yeah. So, and for us, you know, we we live this stuff so we're we're typically very tuned into 
when we're triggered and, and you know, calling a stop to things and, and getting back into balance. And at the same time, there we were. And it's something that we've actually been talking a lot lately is feeling like there's something new for us to discover here um, yes. around the the ways that those little resentments have have found their way into like the nooks and crannies of our coexistence yes. to like drive us crazy. Yeah. And um, so I just, so I read in your book about this tendency of like a negative, like when one of you is in a negative space for, to be, to meet it with negative energy and just how ridiculous it is to think that that's going to actually lead to anything positive. Right. Um, and I just like laughed at myself thinking about that, that incident. And that didn't end up being a, a big blow up between me and Chloe. I think we're, we're long past the big blow up stage of anything like that. But at the same time, I was like, oh yeah, there's something else here for, for me to learn. This is so, uh, such a perfect story because you'd have to be physically dead not to relate and understand the example, the, the way in which couples, partners, or the way in which, you know, the standing in line at the uh, supermarket and uh, somebody makes a comment or the cashier is going uh, at the speed of molasses and, you know, something slips out of the mouth that seems to be justified because <clears throat> the individual has said or is doing something that has produced pain in us. So let's go through this. I don't know if you got to the section of the book, Neil. Oh, yeah, I read the whole thing. So There's actually a story in the book that is the, 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 the longhand uh, uh, explanation of what happened, and we'll look at it together. So first, when, and everybody look, everybody, we have to understand we, we are in no way or means judging ourselves or others. There's far too much of that. You can't, you can't judge and learn, it's impossible. And this life, whether we realize it or not, is a school for our higher education, particularly that love provides, if we're willing to take the curriculum, which this book is about and what Neil and I are speaking about. Before we go any further, Guy, let's just take a quick break to talk about this week's sponsors. Our first sponsor is Babbel, the number one selling language learning app in the world. You can learn Spanish, French, Italian, Russian, Swedish, Danish, and more. As I mentioned last week, my son and I decided that we were going to dive in to learn a language together, and we picked, of course, one of the romance languages, Italian. Babbel's lessons are designed to get you speaking confidently in your new language and actually remembering what you learn, and so far I'm really impressed with their approach. Since their lessons are crafted by language learning experts and voiced by native speakers and putting you in real life situations, and on top of that, they use several different methods to help you learn the language, it really helps, all those different angles really help make it stick. 
So I'm really excited to see how far my son and I go with our Italian lessons, and I will be sure to let you know, though I am still just kind of getting started. And hopefully we'll get to try it out in Italy one of these days. Now you can try Babbel for free. Just go to babbel.com or download the app. And so that's Babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L dot com, or download the app, it's available both in iOS and in Android, to try it for free. And thank you, I mean grazie, to the folks at babbel.com for your support of this week's episode of Relationship Alive. Our second sponsor this week is mylola.com, and they have a special offer for you as a Relationship Alive listener. Lola is a female-founded company that offers a line of 100% natural and organic feminine products. This is important stuff. For instance, did you know that the FDA doesn't require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of what goes into their feminine care products? And this, of course, means that most of them don't tell you because the major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients like rayon and polyester. And on top of that, their feminine care products might also be treated with harsh chemical cleansing agents or fragrances or dyes. Now, I don't know about you, but I would certainly want to ensure that anything I put in or next to my most sensitive areas are as natural and chemical-free as possible. And Lola products are 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, fragrances, or dyes. They're gynecologist-approved, hypoallergenic, and super convenient, since you can customize your subscription to fit your needs exactly. My wife, Chloe, really liked what they sent our way, and we also really appreciate that for every purchase you make, Lola donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the USA. As I mentioned when I first introduced My Lola, they have a special offer for you or the women in your life. As a Relationship Alive listener, you can get 40% off your subscription. So, for 40% off all subscriptions, visit mylola.com and enter the coupon code ALIVE when you subscribe. That's mylola.com, M-Y-L-O-L-A dot com, and enter the coupon code ALIVE when you subscribe. And thank you, mylola.com, for your support of the Relationship Alive podcast. And now... Let's get back to our conversation with Guy Finley. So, Neil, when, when, if and when out of your mouth comes the, we'll call it the, the initial contact, your wife made the first contact that evening, bringing up a wrapper <laughs> that was out of place. Pretty small thing. But if and when we do that, and point something out to our partner about where they missed the mark in some way? Is it because we're happy and content in that moment? Or is there some kind of pain in us that prompts us to point a finger so that there's something to blame for our pain? Right, where we are pointing the finger so that we can blame for the pain. That's right, because something has suddenly stirred in us 
a certain kind of resistance or pain that we did not know was in us the moment before. For instance, I'm just going to walk through it. When Chloe points out the rapper, she wasn't initially negative about the rapper, but when the rapper appeared, meaning she saw it, something in her in pain wanted to find a way to reconcile itself because in, in essence, the rapper became the reason for the pain. Following me? Yep. But the rapper isn't the reason for the pain in Chloe. The pain is brought in to the present moment in Chloe and in all of us in an unconscious nature, a body of experience whose residue never reconciled or healed sits there like strange objects in a closet until something bumps one of them and then out comes this comment or this action. Now, she didn't know and then that pain looks at you and finds an object to blame. She points the finger at you and throws the grenade. Passive aggressive comment meant to point to you, look what you've done, you've missed the mark. And then what happens when Chloe's pain pushes on Mark, on, on Neil? Was Neil in pain the moment before that? No, I had a good night, we were doing pretty good. But all of a sudden, I'm nuclear, but I don't want to go nuclear. I know that's not right. So my mind, now in pain, blaming the pain on Chloe, looks around and finds the butter. And then it throws the bomb back. The point being that the moment of pain is not Chloe's pain and not your pain. It is our pain. It is a pain that goes into the moment before us that we don't know is there and that becomes this continuation of a string of conflict and resentments that feed each other in a pattern that never goes away because the unseen instigator, the real cause of that conflict, lies unseen in our consciousness. Now, if we can understand that much, and let me stop and ask you, are we on the same page? Can we see this together? We're definitely on the same page. And where where I'm where my mind is going with this is to that concept of of the debt that that we owe each other and how we carry that with us as yes. as part of the burden of that pain. Yes. Yes. It's intimately connected to that. <clears throat> Without our knowing it, which is the point of our existence in one respect, because when we started, we said, well, how can pain and love be in, a, in, a, in, a, in an actual relationship? Without our knowing it, li living concealed in all of us, not just as a result of growing up with the parents we had, our experiences in high school and college, not the relationships that gave us a broken heart, not those individual instances, but sort of a composite, conditioned uh, consciousness. We, we live, Neil, with an, a kind of uh, unseen expectation 
It's built into our present level where, again, as example, I'll speak about my wife. I know you would say the same of Chloe. I've been with my wife for nearly 40 years. I remember when we first met. It was it was all roses, you know, the 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 that we we couldn't talk enough about stuff. Uh-huh. You know, those conversations that go for hours on the phone. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the the sex was divine and intimate. The 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 time together was precious. Everything that was quirky about her was my greatest delight. Everything that I did somehow had no problems in it at all. <laughs> so my idiosyncrasies were were fascinating. You know, this is the. Be- <laughs> This is the beginning of love because we're drawn to each other as, as, as the result of she revealing in me things I don't know about myself that are delightful. I love the way I feel when I'm busy loving what my life, what my wife reveals to me about myself. She loves what I reveal in her to her about herself. And there is a magnetic power. Everybody understands that. But part of that relationship and part of that magnetics includes the fact that gradually the things that we were so enamored with for what she could show me about myself starts to change. The thrill is gone, B.B. King used to say. And now the little things that were never a problem start to have a little edge to them. And here's the point. Why do I love the things my wife shows me about my nature that I feel are positive and good and accept as being a part of myself? And on the other hand, when she shows me things about myself, I don't see it as being about myself. I see it as being about her. Mm. When we can answer that question with honesty, and responsibility, we begin to recognize that yes, when it comes to love, our partner is a mirror that shows us the most positive, empowering, and beautiful things that the human heart can hold. Love makes that possible. But it is also a fact that love makes it possible for that same human being and their same idiosyncrasies to show us what is concealed in us that is limiting our love. So that until we are present to what has been concealed in us by the actions of our partner and accept the revelation of that moment as an invitation to let go of and die to those parts of ourselves, we will continue to have the fights, blaming, later resenting, without ever realizing we are caught in a loop that is actually a a kind of system that, that this present nature with all of this residue that's been carried over insists on repeating. It literally reincarnates itself at the cost of a new and higher kind of love. Okay. So <laughs> there's so much there in everything that you just said. I say, let's take it apart. Let's do it. Um, and maybe a vehicle for that would be the rapper. Sure. So for one thing, 
what I'm hearing from you is that the that the love and the the mirror of relationship makes it possible for me to see all these things reflected back at me that I think are glorious. Right. And however, it also allows me to have reflected back at me the ways that I fall short. Not reflected back at me, reflected as being an unknown part of me. I don't know that I have pain when I'm holding my wife's hand and we're having a glass of wine. But if she said, you've had two glasses, that's enough. What happens? Right, the collapse. Boom. Yeah. She, she, she didn't produce the conflict. She revealed within me is this sensitivity about too many wines. Don't eat that piece of bread. You're really going to have more butter? Why are you driving that way? Do you know where you are? I mean, all of these little questions that you call triggers are actually revelations that we have within us, parts of us that we don't know. And to the point here, when I want to lash back, and we don't have to, you know, Pollyanna it, fact, she said something that hurt me, I'm throwing the grenade back. Would love throw a grenade? No. It's, we, this is so important, listeners, I, please. And we're not idealizing love. I'm not making it some religious or iconic image. I'm just saying that you and I, if we're a human being, know that there is a love that cannot hurt anything, that would not harm anything. That love is the love that we and each and every one of us live in and through and by at all times without knowing it. These moments in passing time with our partner allow us to see and then begin to use consciously the very thing that ordinarily we mechanically do, i.e., uh, Neil throws back the butter comment. Now, if love would not harm anyone, and I know that love would not do that, is it really I, is it my truest nature that launches the attack back, or is pain responding to pain? And this is important. Is the pain of something in me, maybe when I was a kid, I was teased. Maybe my parents uh, uh, called me on the rug for things that they were in pain over and didn't know what to do with and abused me psychologically so that the smallest question of my character by anyone else produces instantaneous conflict. You're not gonna disrespect me. Now we all know these parts live in us. And if they are there and they are acting in our stead, we have to recognize that something has been stirred and has stepped up and out of our mouth that feels like us because it's part of our past, but that cannot be who we are in reality, or at least who we know we ought to be. And therefore, we have to do something that this book is all about. We have to recognize that 
love would not make anyone suffer. Another way of putting it, why is my suffering in that moment more important than your suffering? Why is what I'm suffering over, if I love you, why would I want to add one ounce of more suffering to your life? Right. No, and, huh? And yeah, this is something that I, I found really profound in if you if you can recognize that, and this was what you wrote about, that if you can recognize that the pain in your partner is what probably produced that comment in the first place. Like if you saw a defenseless creature in pain, you would show up to try and help that defenseless creature. You wouldn't like kick it in the head, right? So, And, And you would even know if it tries to bite you that it couldn't do anything else. Right. You would know it. And knowing that, which is, see, look, this my new book is the culmination of 40 years of writing and speaking. It brings about a very simple point that, if we're willing to receive it, makes change possible in the moment, not as an intellectual exercise by which we hope going into a, a, a pointed moment we won't punish somebody, and certainly not afterwards as a retrospective event where I blame myself or think I could have done better what I call a reflective event. I understand that in me is a pain I didn't know was in me. It was concealed until you said what you did. Now I'm going to pick up the tab. I'm going to do the one thing I've never done in my whole life with someone who has said the cruel comment or done something that upsets me. I'm going to live with my own pain. I'm not going to blame you for it. I'm not going to point it out to you. I'm going to, in effect, go quiet inwardly in that moment so that rather than listening to voices that then become my mouth speaking what causes others to suffer, I'm going to listen to my own voices, how they want to leap out, how they want to have an enemy, someone to make feel bad for the bad way they made me feel. And in that patience, which is a key word. You know the original, the the ancient meaning of the word patience, Neil? No. To suffer myself. Yes. I think that's the most beautiful thing in the world. Because you see, if I can in the moment, my wife throws the, well, what, did that wrapper, did, you know, did that just manifest itself on the counter? And we can all hear the tone. We know what sarcasm is. (laughs) Right. It's instantaneous. And bang, like that, comes up this pain I didn't know was there. And to be fair to, to Chloe, she actually was very light and almost joking about it. Like it wasn't oh. even sarcastic. It was, it was light. And yet it did hit me that, that strongly. Yeah. But see, if, if there wasn't pain behind it, would she call it out or just pick it up? Right. She would have just picked it up. I mean, obviously, and I'm not, again, this is, there's no condemnation in this. All humanity, all of us live in this level of consciousness that doesn't know what to do with its pain. Mm. So to the point, here I am, and in that split second, if I can bear myself, meaning bear what has been revealed in me, 
by the comment, the sarcastic intended or not comment, in that split second, something can happen that is the true magic. And here it is. I don't return unkindness for unkindness. And when I don't return unkindness for unkindness, my wife, Chloe, whoever it may be, is left holding the bomb they threw. In fact, they're shocked because the part of them that pronounced that cruel or otherwise sarcastic comment suddenly has nothing to validate its pain because now Neil Guy is not returning pain for pain. And the pattern has a chance to collapse on the spot so that the whole thing is revealed in that heartbeat when one of us as a partner agrees to bear, to bear the responsibility of the pain that's been driving the pattern. Boy, we're talking about hard work and yeah. lots, lots of, lots of uh, missteps. But man, can I tell you, after 40 years, the beauty of this, because now my wife, my husband, my partner has space to see themselves as they are instead of mechanically blaming me for their pain because of what they say I am. They get to meet their own limitation, which is this unconscious negative reaction, instead of it being validated by my unconscious reaction to their commentary. It's a game changer in the truest sense of what love has always intended for us to do and be with each other, which is to work as polishing stones so that what comes out of the moment is shinier, truer, better, a more pure reflection of what love intends for us, and by the way, why it brought us together to that end. Okay, so there are two things jumping out at me right now. Yes. One of them is I would love to distinguish what we're talking about from uh, maybe the flip side pattern that can happen in a relationship where there's never conflict and yet it's not a system that's fostering love. In fact, it fosters resentment because things aren't being surfaced. So that's the first part. And well, then they're being, they're being surfaced, Neil. Go ahead. They're just, they're just being ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And, yeah. That, that's a, a very important distinction. Um, because what you've just said is, is is the is sort of the slow motion death, not of love. The slow motion death of the possibility of two people awakening through and with each other to a higher order of their own being that love makes possible. So now, example, now I wish I had read the book before the rapper moment happened because I'm I'm hoping that we can also paint a picture and maybe that's what you're about to do with this example of how that unfolding might take place you used strong language earlier which was like we want those those parts um to die the the parts of us um and i'm curious to know what that actually what that looks like what that experience is like and what that might have been like in the kitchen that night with me and chloe 
All right. So here I am. I'll 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 play Neil, okay? Okay. Uh, and everybody can play Neil at least at least as far as we're able to follow this. My wife uh, drops the the bomb. Doesn't look like a bomb, and in fact, she's trying to make it not look like a bomb, but it's a bomb. And suddenly, I have a reaction. Now, for the longest time, I can't begin to encourage the listeners to understand this. We don't know that we're combustible. Were you thinking, Neil, prior prior to that, you're in this contented state, you're working together, getting the kitchen set, you know, having a nice dialogue, working together as men and women should, as partners should. Do, does Neil know there's something combustible in him? No, no. And in fact, this is why I love the shift that I feel like your, your yes. book is creating in me because not only did I not know it was there, but because I combusted and immediately like my, my thought was, I want to blame her, yes. you know, if she knew how to act in a situation like this, then that exactly. So I'm, so that's, that's the pattern that I personally want to see end in myself. Yes, exactly. So do you, you said you have children? I do. Yeah. How old are they? They are nine and 11. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Uh, let's say just for grins, I don't know what it would be. Maybe you're out with uh, one of them, and maybe it's uh, you're, you you uh, you hand them a fishing rod and say, "This is how you cast the lure." Uh, you throw them a football, uh, and they can't catch it because their hands aren't big enough. Would you get angry at your child for not being able to catch a football that you throw at them? No, of course not. No, that would be ludicrous. Why? because the child has limitations. I'm not gonna blame my child right. for the fact that it can't hold onto a football yet or thumb the reel when it casts the lure. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't have the capacity to do it yet. But when we blame our partner for producing this discontentment in us, for being the seed of this conflict, are we not in essence saying, you know what? You have this limitation, Chloe. You could have been like this. Right. And if you had been like that, then you would fulfill my expectation uh -huh. and there would be no more pain. Yes? Right. Yeah, exactly. So we see the person who's producing, in, in a sense, this moment of uh, disturbance we see the problem as being their limitation. They're not meeting our expectation. We don't know that we walk around expecting that our husband, our wife, our partner be at all times everything that we have written a list for them to be. What would happen if, if this won't happen directly, but one day you'll see it. Everyone will, who will work with these ideas, my partner says something to me uh, the little offhanded comment. And then instead of, as I usually do, responding with resistance mechanically, uh, tit for tat, I was able to, to, to have literally appear in my hand this list that says the, the 444 things that no one is ever supposed to say to me. <laughs> 
Well, that I mean, that's it, we laugh at it because it sounds silly. <laughs> right. Yet, if God is my witness. That's what we have living in our nature. Right. Right. Yeah. So then I start to realize. Hold on a second. The limitation isn't my wife's. It's mine. Because I only know how to respond by letting this list tell me how people are supposed to be. And this isn't even my list. It got made over time. It was produced by a host of painful circumstances that I never was able to figure out. So all I could do was think about them, in other words, uh, formulate them, get them into something I could live with, and then I think that gets buried and goes away. But those moments don't go away. They live as objects of thought, literally formations in our psychology that when the proper circumstances appear, much as a seed sprouts when the nourishment it needs happens, up comes this list and the, the item on it. And then by God, I know I'm right and you're wrong. We're saying, can we understand now that within us lives this lower, unconscious, unloving nature? And that when stimulated by circumstance, it's going to do the only thing it knows to do. Because if we can know that, this is what Christ called metanoia. This, this new knowledge, a new understanding that allows us, literally the translation of the word repent, to turn around in the moment and see what we're actually looking at instead of what something in us wants to point to for our pain. Because if we can do that, Neil then we can begin to understand our tendency. And then we take our awareness of that tendency into that moment with us. And then we begin to wake up. We begin to let the moments that beat us up become the moments that make us better because we're, we're, we're agreeing to see our own limitations. What love is showing us is keeping us from being truly loving. So when I notice that I'm in a moment and experiencing pain, and in fairness to Chloe, it could have just as easily been me saying, you know, yes. having something to complain about, of course. right? Of course. Um, to start it all off. So when yeah. I notice, okay, I'm experiencing pain and I want to fix something right now, what... Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? What do like? What, I'm I'm right there in that moment. I know, I know I can hear you, man. Look, you and you said the, exactly the, and and I want to fix something. <laughs> I'm gonna fix Chloe. Chloe's gonna fix me, and nothing gets fixed other than a growing body of resentment from conditions never resolved consciously through love. So here's how it gets fixed. I stop trying to fix my partner and I stop trying to fix myself. Instead, and this is an exercise, because we're getting to that point where we need something where we can get our hands on a practical set of actions. You might want to write it down, listeners. I call it stop, drop, and endure. <laughs> Neil's ahead of me. Stop, drop, and endure. All right, I know my proclivity. All my wife has to do is 
say, you know, that shirt's a little tight on you. Uh, really, you're having uh, another helping? Uh, why, why don't we drive out uh, to uh, the winery in Jacksonville instead of go to the, uh, the place locally? Any one of a thousand things can be in as innocent as the day is long and maybe not even intended, as you indicated, to be a cutting remark because she may be just asleep, you know, psychologically, just saying what comes to her mind. But it's already interwoven. So here's the reaction. Bang. So what's the first thing, Neil? Bang. Come to a stop. What does it mean, come to a stop? It means I know because I have been interested enough to think about it, to contemplate it, that my tendency when my wife or partner says whatever they do is that I have a thousand tender spots. Let's use this in another way. I have a, a, a dozen places in me that have never healed. They've never healed. The way that my former girlfriend, husband, wife let me know that she's leaving me. I, it, it never healed. All I could do was hate my partner, regret my situation, despise myself for not being good enough to keep or to hold in place whatever it was. These places have never healed. And all of this unhealed, psychologically divided mind and heart goes forward in time with me. Then I have a new partner. She says whatever it is, and the, and the sore spot is stimulated. Come to a stop. I know it's there. And I'm going to absolutely stop. Now, what does it mean, stop? That's the next word, drop. When I come to a stop, the intention is to see everything in me that wants to keep moving. I want to see and hear these thoughts and feelings without being mechanically identified with them and what they are trying to do as they want to fix the moment. I'm not going to fix the moment. Physician, heal thyself. Instead, I'm going to drop every last one of those thoughts that come in and that want to point to my wife, my partner, that moment as being the source of my pain. And if I can come to a stop and sit there and drop all of these thoughts and feelings, I'll begin to notice something extraordinary. They won't let me drop them. My intention is to be the observer, the conscious witness of what love is inviting me to see that's been concealed in me. And something doesn't want me to see anything other than who's to blame for the pain. Hold on a moment. What is that about? Mm. I say I want to heal. I say I want to be a loving partner. But now I realize there is a flood loosed in me that wants to free itself by putting someone else into a cage. Stop, drop. Now, you tell me what endure means, Neil. Hmm. It, well, means I'm, in, it means I'm going to suffer myself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling the waiting, basically. Yes, yes. For as long, listen to this, because it answers an earlier question of yours, I'm going to 
suffer myself, meaning I'm going to sit and observe these thoughts and feelings instead of identify with them. I'm going to suffer myself patiently for as long as it takes for me to finally see what love has brought this moment about for. And what has it brought it about for? For me to see that there's no love in that nature. That is not who I am, and that is not who I am going to manifest. I will not incarnate what has passed and its pain and its false plans to fix things. Instead, I'm going to incarnate what love is asking me to incarnate in that moment, which is the revelation that the me that came into this moment that has been revealed by it is no longer necessary. And that, Neil, is what it really means to die to ourselves because love makes it possible. <sighs> Don't hate me. No, no. What happens next? Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm imagining this. And in fact, the sense that I feel is actually a whole lot of grief. That's like the first thing that comes up for me is like seeing all of that, all of that pain and all of the ways that I would want to lash out and recognizing that that's not love. And yeah, isn't that extraordinary? And by the way, that's um, at a certain level of development, which I'm glad to speak with you as you're experiencing this. Isn't it phenomenal that when I, I hear about what it means to love my neighbor as myself, that no greater love does a husband have than, than laying down his life for his wife or vice versa, whoever the partner may be. And that my response to that, that part of me that can hear that but doesn't, is grief. What would grieve for the loss of something that only wants to produce the More continuation pain. of the pattern? Yeah, isn't that beautiful, Neil? Man, this is, look, whether or not anybody here listening, with us listening, it doesn't matter to me. I'm, obviously, I want everybody to, 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 to hear this. But what a marvelous point of connection for you and I to, 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 to unfold something so that I can actually suspect for the first time maybe, good God, there is something in me that's grieving over not having a good reason to be mad. Yeah, I, and if I'm really tuning in, I think some of it also is um, is a sense of shame that Again, yes, <laughs> yeah, shame that that's that that's what I what I've done or what I how I've where I would want to go. Or, yes, yes, yeah. I'm greatly enjoying this conversation. Yeah, look, um, everybody, write this down, please. There is no such thing as a bad fact about yourself. There is no such thing as a bad fact about yourself. Facts are friends. But we have a nature conditioned over time that's more interested in appearance than it is in being. Being is the moment-to-moment -moment expression. Love is the moment-to-moment -moment relationship between facts. So as we grow to understand these things and begin to have some of these wonderful exchanges and experiences 
whether it's just first with our minds and then with our hearts, it doesn't matter because we can start to understand. We are the last section of the book. We're in training. You don't punish someone who's in training unless you don't know you're in training. So when we get this and start realizing, God, I, I can see, you know what, I can feel it in the deepest part of myself. I've, <laughs> not, only, not only have I missed the mark, I didn't even know what it was. Then everything's explained in that moment. Because, and now to answer your question again, what happens next? This yeah. is my favorite part. <laughs> Does any, can a pattern go on if any part of the pattern is changed in the truest sense of it? It seems that it would be different from that it, point forward. It, it cannot be, it cannot go on. It's even, it's uh, physics uh, states it this way. Uh, Change the observer and the observed changes. That's a, uh, some theory or another that the observer changes what, the, what is observed by him or her. So here I am. And let's just say for the sake of argument that I catch what we've been talking about in the middle of that moment. Maybe I'm on the freeway. And here comes somebody barreling up behind me or someone cuts me off or someone passes me in the fast lane and then drives slow to punish me. In that moment, can I see that the condition has not created the pain, but it's revealing a part of me that is sure that it has expectation and a list that this isn't supposed to be this way and therefore wants to respond with unkindness. If I can just see that much and even think, what am, wait a minute, this, this is the moment I've been waiting for. In that split second, I am no longer the man or the woman I was leading up to that moment because something, a bit of light, a bit of love has come in to interrupt the pattern. Maybe I go on and lose my temper. Maybe I say the passive aggressive remark. Maybe I stew. But the fact is now I'm more aware of what has happened after the event than I was before because I realized the repercussion is actually the continuation of this unconscious nature that I was unable to not express in that moment. And here's the final word, at least as far as this question. If I change, my partner has to change. If I'm not the same, they have to see where they're being the same and have a chance to step out of that space. As I change, I give my partner the space they need to change. So in those relationships, where nothing is said and all is this sort of horrible compromise building into a ball of resentment that ultimately boils over. One little change produces the possibility of a greater change. It's the most wonderful thing in the world that love makes possible, but it always begins with us, not with our partner, not with what we act out toward them, but what we see in ourselves and then accept as our responsibility to to uh, be present enough to, to witness that a change can take place in us first. Yeah, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I think that would probably be the natural question that many of you listening would have, which is like, well, something like how much of this 
how much of being treated this way am I supposed to tolerate? <laughs> you know, how, how much stopping, dropping, and enduring am I supposed to do in this situ- exactly. in this situation? Exactly. And there is again, and that there's a whole section in the book about that too. You're not on this planet to let anybody abuse you. In fact, any abusive relationship that we stay in is because we're enabling it. We have a part of ourselves that would actually rather live with someone to resent than to be on our own and not know who we are through that resentment. The only thing that troubles us about other people, Neil, in the end, is what we want from them. And when we start to understand that most of what we want from others is a way in which we can keep these uh, these uh, these debts running, then we want to we want to pay the tab. And if someone continues to abuse us, abuse us, and and I mean, if anybody abuses you physically, and you say that's that, don't do that again, or I'm gone, and then you're not gone, it's your fault. I know. Well, I have kids, and I've got. I don't know what'll happen to me. Do not stay with people who abuse you, period. They will never change until you change. It's the only hope that abusive person has because they don't know. Good God, do you think a parent would deliberately abuse a child if the parent knew for a split second the child wasn't responsible for the pain they're in that's producing that horrid outcome? We are complicit in relationships where Pain keeps itself alive because we use it to prove the other person's responsible. So no abusive relationship continually, no. But neither do we sit and live with a mind that says, you know, she keeps bringing up that I shouldn't have that second glass of wine. She's abusing me. No, she may have a point. Then it's up to you to discover that, use those moments and become a different kind of person, which might include, by the way, not wanting the 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 intoxicating cup. Right. What when I'm while I'm enduring, stopping, dropping, and enduring. What yes. might I communicate to my partner? Is there anything that you think is helpful? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. Yes, you do not say. Listen, I'm enduring you. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not, I, I, this is not meant religiously, uh, but it's all part of this beautiful golden thread that love, that, that, that winds through our life and relationships. Christ said, when you go in the closet, when you pray, go in the closet. Do not let anybody know you're praying. Same thing, Buddha. I mean, all the, the great saints, prophets all spoke of the same thing. If I'm going to change, I can't announce it. Because the change hasn't taken place yet, I'm agreeing to go through it. And if I point out to my wife or partner, look, I'm going through this change because of you, I've just thrown the passive aggressive comment out, haven't I? Mm. So I have to learn what it means to be silent. And I might just say, you know what, let me, if you want, if, if we have to have a way to deal with it, look, um, I'm just not going to take part in an argument. I'm just not going to do it. And you may not think that what you said was hurtful, but it hurt me. But I don't want to hurt you back. So for now, I'm just going to put this down. You do with it what you want to do, but I'm done with the fight. And if you really mean it, 
not because you have an image of yourself as someone who wants to be like that, but who agrees to put down the fighting nature, who you will see in yourself and you'll be shocked at what happens to your partner if you actually say to them, you want to go on with this? That's your business. I'm done with it. And, and listen to this, Neil, because you even said it when you said suddenly I feel grief over hearing these ideas. Your partner, when you say to them, I'm not going to continue this negativity, they're going to say, what's wrong? You don't love me? And you're actually doing what you're doing for the sake of love, and you know it, but they can't see it yet. Can you sense some of that, Neil? Yeah. I, well, one thing that I think is the gift here is, in some respects, it it takes that pain and, and it depersonalizes it yes. so that... You know, I could see in a moment like that and, and, and hopefully before those moments happen, being able to talk to your partner and say, wow, you know, I just read this book by Guy Finley or I just heard this podcast episode and and I'm seeing how like pain exists in in me, in us, waiting for an opportunity to like spring. I and love it. I and love it. so in a moment like that, being able to say, whoa, like the pain in me just reared its head and and almost like this isn't about you i just need to step back from this for a moment yes. and and I, I, there's something in me guy that wants that wants more like around the enduring like like i'm going to stay here i'm going to endure i don't know what happens at that point yeah. <laughs> you know what you can't know you can only be yeah See, I want to know because I want to be safe. I want to feel secure, spiritual, intelligent, loving on top of it. That's where all the pain has come from. That nature that wants to know going in how things should be or that already knows how things should be going in. That's where the conflict is. Yeah. See, uh, here, this will help maybe, Neil. Great. Because this book actually, I swear to God, this book came out of an experience that I had when I was, I first fell in love, which I'm, I'm almost 70. So what was that? 53 years ago, I fell in love. And I already, I'd been on the path. My spiritual life started around the age of six. That's another story. But I didn't understand much of it. But I was with my, my partner and I said to her, you know what? I said, let's agree, you and I, that love is more important than any of the personal issues that want to pull us apart. I'm not even sure what I'm saying. I, I said these words, and yet I know that we'll have disagreements. Let's agree that when we have a disagreement, love is going to be more important than what wants to pull us apart. Can we do that? And of course, she said yes, and I said yes, but we weren't mature enough to even understand. I didn't understand what I was talking about. 53 years later, I understand that you can say to Chloe, listen, um, I'm, I'm having some revelations. I'm, I'm seeing new stuff. And I, I never want to hurt you as long as I live. I never want to hurt you. And I know you love me and I know you never want to hurt me. So let's agree right now that we're never going to hurt each other. And then because I also know, as I'm sure you do, that while our aim is lofty, we live from a nature that isn't going to be able to live up yet to what love is prescribing as our partnership and the way it grows. 
So instead of then blaming each other when we can't live out our agreement, we will step back, both of us, and see the parts of ourselves unable to keep the contract we have with love. Then we're not going to blame each other, and we're not even going to blame ourselves. We're going to be different people because we see, on one hand, where we're compromised, and because of the revelation of the compromised self, we'll know what we can and can't do next time. Yes? Yeah, I'm soaking all that in. You can't, you can't see my head nodding, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just uh, reveling in, in those words. Yeah. I just, I just, this is so, this is so important. God help us. This isn't, you know, this, look, anything that's right, bright, and true in this world, no human being is the sponsor of. We are the instruments of what is right, bright, and true, including love. When we understand that an instrument can be played by something, that serves its own interests and that its interests don't serve love, then we stand in a place where we can start to recognize this is an ill wind that's starting to blow through me. And by God, I'm not going to share it with my partner. I'm going to let it buffet me so I can die to it. And then we have something real to work with. Yeah, we, I think we might have to. So for those of you at home who are listening to this, I I, my wish for you is that you're able to experiment with what we're talking about. And, and of course, there are more nuances that Guy writes about in the book Relationship Magic. And please send, send us your feedback, neilius at neilsatin.com, or there's a Relationship Alive community on Facebook. Tell us about your experiences. I could envision a follow-up at some point, Guy, where we talk about what happened after. You know, what happened after we endured? Yeah, you know what? Uh, ordinarily, I, uh, I, have, I do so many interviews, but I would, if you want to follow up, it's done. Great. Great. Well, well, we will keep in touch about that. Right. In the meantime, it is such a pleasure to have you here and an honor to be able to talk with you about this book that's the hot off the presses and yet the culmination of you know, 40 years of, or more, 53 yeah. years of experience. Years, yeah. Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. You can visit relationshipmagicbook.com. And if you order the book, you can go there and you can instantly get an audio uh, version of the book. Are you reading that, Guy? I'm sorry, say that again. Are you the person who's who's reading the the audio book that people will yes, get? Yes, 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 it is I. Great. So you can get the audio book, and I saw that there are a bunch of other bonuses that you can get. So a lot of special gifts for um, purchasing re the Relationship Magic book. And um, you can also visit guyfinley.org where you can read more about Guy and his work. And what's the name of your center again, Guy? I live in Southern Oregon, and I uh, teach at Life of Learning Foundation uh, three times, four times a week, uh, open to everyone. People uh, come from all around the world, and there's a body of 50 or 100 students who actually live in the area now. And uh, $3 donation at the door, no one's turned away, nothing to join, just a group of men and women, just like Neil and myself, 
who want to understand a little bit more about how love works. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you uh, illuminating a little bit more of the journey for me and for us here on Relationship Alive today. So thank you so much, Guy. And uh, just as a reminder, if you want to download the transcript, you can visit neilsatin.com slash magic. We'll also have all the links that I mentioned, or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Such a pleasure to have you with us here today, Guy. Thanks, Neil. It was a um, just a really good conversation. Mm, I agree. I agree. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.